Schlesisches Tor. Der deutsche Spargelkult müsse enden. Germany's beleaguered defense minister has temporarily dropped his PhD title. Und zwar ist eine Perle der deutschen Industrie. Und ich glaube, das kann man nicht das ist, Ich weiß, wie viel Liebe dahinter steht. Wenn Glühweinstände aufgebaut werden, wenn Wachstum. Spargelweltmeister ist China, denn die bauen sich. Hi, it's Michelle. Hey, this is Ted, and you are listening to Spaßbremse. On this week's episode, we had a lot of fun chatting with some friends from Corner Späti to bring you an election preview. We go through the six most popular parties in a slightly less structured format. The election is exactly a week from today, so now is the perfect time to brush up on some background. Before we get to the main segment, we just wanted to add a couple things. This episode was recorded after the second triel, and time really flies because there's a third and final triel happening tonight. For our listeners not in Germany, the televised debate between the three highest polling parties, Chancellor Hopefuls, is dubbed triel, as in dual, but three people. My take is that it was excruciatingly boring to watch, And I can't wait for the third one to be over, so I never have to say the word triel again. And we had some technical difficulties, so my audio doesn't sound so great. Sorry about that. Yeah, we, we invested in some new equipment, so the audio from now on should be a, a bit clearer, but uh, getting it working for the first time proved a bit uh, a bit above our simplistic technical brains um, of the hosts. Isaac is great, but he wasn't there. And... Yeah, so, I mean, Triel, yeah, that was not very exciting. Uh, we have to listen to another one. You know, maybe the party landscape gets even more fragmented next time. So in 2025, we have to say, like, a quadrille or, or something even <laughs> clunkier than that. Uh, but, yeah, it was super great having Nick and Kieran from Corner Spati on to break down the parties and preview the election. We should just correct a couple things that have changed rapidly as the German politics is so dynamisch this year. So first, Christian Lindner of the FDP has actually softened his stance a bit on the Schwarze Null, uh, calling it a prestige project of the conservatives and saying he wouldn't make it a condition of a coalition with the Greens and SPD, the so-called traffic light or Ampel Koalition. So yeah, he's really gunning for finance ministry, and, but still a coalition there might be tough as the Social Democrats have said that higher taxes on the rich would be a condition of theirs, and that's totally anathema to the FDP. So we'll see about all that. This coalition stuff is gonna drag on way, way past the election itself. So, you know, listen to us to stay updated on that in the weeks and months ahead. Also, I should say, issue a quick correction, um, because I misidentify the two animal protection parties in How Germany. How could you? How do I call myself an expert on German politics when I can't get this right? There's the normal Tierschutzpartei, which is, the longer name is like Tierschutz uh, and Umwelt and so on and so forth. So that's one party, and they might actually make it into the Berlin Senate. And the other animal protection or Tierschutzpartei is the Tierschutz hier Partei, which is a much smaller one with about 300 members. Um, so Spaßbremse regrets the error. And with that, on to the main episode. Hey everybody, this is Ted. Hi, it's Michelle. Welcome back to Spaßbremse. Uh, we've got a very special episode for you today with a couple guests, including Nick and Kieran of Corner Spati. Welcome, guys. 
Yo, what's up? I'm I'm here to get drunk and talk about the parties. That's why we're all here every time. I'm here to drink water because I'm a dad and it's a weekday. Party Very time. responsible. Okay. And yeah, so through our last few episodes, uh, I think this should be what number ten. So throughout all of those, we've been kind of laying the groundwork for understanding German politics ahead of this September 26 election covering a lot of these bigger, like more substantive and much more foundational topics. Um, but of course, there is this election coming up on the 26th, and we want to get into some of the specifics of that to help people actually understand what's going on, how it works, what are the parties, what are the candidates, etc. And so to do this, we've brought on some of the foremost experts about German politics and political parties, Nick and Kieran. And so I want to run through the main parties and talk all about those in in due time um, but first like what actually is decided on the 26th you know like it's in the very in the the americanization of all global media and political coverage sometimes they always try to sort of impose an american structure onto european or other countries elections but the german structure is of course quite different than say the us so like what are German voters actually deciding and how will the next chancellor actually get chosen? Um, I believe it's called the Great Reset. That's what people <laughs> keep talking about repeatedly. Um, no, yeah, but I mean, like, like what's decided on, on the 26th is how seats will be divided based on representation in the Bundestag on the national level. And then from that, you have coalition building. And then with that when we get to it will be then a chancellor decided that's the simplest way to, to 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 describe it there's also a bunch of local elections going on germany has five votes happening on one day excluding the um deutsche Wohnen und eigenen uh folks uh entscheid so uh in some states you can give five votes for a political party if you want to uh it's yeah it's 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 a bit complex we'll just i guess today we're just going to focus on the national stuff but it really is the sense of um the 26 gets the ball moving into a direction of who will then be the next chancellor and as we saw last election um in 2017 that that process can take a long ass time like Absolutely, we went, yeah. we went into the next year without Germany having a coalition yeah. because, and we will get to him. Christian Lindner, being the big brain boy that he is, just did not want to give up that he was not going to get the finance ministry and yeah. got kicked out of talks. Yeah. So what Nick's what Nick's referring to here is the the negotiations. Yeah, post the 2017 election where they wanted to do a so-called Jamaica coalition, which would be they love the black. I know they love the coalition names. We black the CDU Merkel's party at the time, um, the Greens the green party and yellow which is the fdp uh the sort of pro-business liberal party and they weren't actually able to come to an agreement to do a coalition so they ended up doing another groco uh, grand coalition of yeah the cdu which was voted down the by the internal mechanisms of the spd which is kind of really funny spd campaigned on like not doing it again as well yeah. so that election it's actually yeah, i mean like kind of like before we go into the, this election one of the funniest things is how like in 2017, the like thing that Olaf Scholz has been kind of like low key campaigning about in uh, 
like at the debates or whatever, be like, I've been so proud of being part of the Groco. Like I've I've come through, I've mm-hmm. stepped up, I've you know, like we've been just, you know, having a great time, killing it, governing our asses off. But his it like it's an issue that was splitting the SPD, making the SPD maybe one of the most unpopular parties in its entire history because they went back into the Grand Coalition. Something that I think that has been overwhelmingly unpopular for at least the last two macro cabinets it just has been the one that then's the easiest to you know i mean yet germany like i mean we were talking about earlier in the sense like the americanization of politics germany has had americanization of politics up until very recently that you have just two parties and then like maybe another party actually first off you have one party the cdu and then you have another party that then come around and like maybe get to govern with them yeah yeah exactly and so yeah, from the perspective, say, if you're from the SPD, like you've effectively been voting for that party and then all they've been doing is going into coalition and then propping up the opposition, yeah. your your opponent party, the CDU. So people got pretty frustrated with that. Um, but all of this is just to say that what's decided on the 26th is the actual seat share in the Bundestag, the German parliament. And so... Which could be getting like a third bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. So you have two votes in Germany. Your second vote determine, is just for the party in general and determines the proportional representation. So they actually do have proportional representation here. It's not like a first-past-the-post thing like the UK or something. But you also get to vote for a direct candidate, which is your first vote. And so you have this like ever-expanding parliament because they need to allow all the people that win from the direct mandates. You're like local congressman if you're from the U.S. is how you would think about it. But they ne- then need to rebalance the proportions with the second vote. So you have this just like ever growing mass of of people getting, you know, lovely pensions. So good for them. And yeah, so then that group of people then will come like then the coalitions are negotiated based on the seat share. You need a majority. The majority then votes for the chancellor. And that's how the chancellor is decided. So no one's technically voting like I want. I'm like want this person for for a chancellor. Um, it will come through this like quite long process as nick said and we have no idea what the actual coalition might be given the current vote share there's it's almost it's probably as open as it's been in terms of what the government actually could be so could they still switch lash it out for like soda they could however they're probably not going to that's uh that's uh, that's one of the things that i always uh use uh, to put into the broader kind of like european global context of like why we say chancellor or counselor instead of like prime minister and like one of the big differences is in most prime ministerial systems the vast vast majority of them to be the prime minister candidate you have to also be leader of the party whereas in germany that's not the case um they just pick a guy basically um or a girl or Or two girls oh my god dilinka did so yeah, like one that like the CDU CSU could technically switch out. Like no, nothing's really set in stone. Um, you know, for I, I think most people listening will know who like the main the main players in German politics are. Armin Laschet, obviously the CDU candidate. Um, ideally, who they would want to replace Merkel. Marcus Stöder was like 
kind of waiting in the wings, like looked like he could have been a strong candidate. As you guys have aptly described it on your show, he has kind of like drunk uncle swag and Lashit has like, uh, he's like the low energy drunk uncle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah he's the yeah, drunk yeah. uncle that comes and just like eats everything. But then like, and no one likes, like doesn't yeah, play yeah. cool games with the kids. Like exactly. isn't funny. Marcus is a drunk uncle. Who's like also grilling and like, yeah, he's yeah. a vibe. Yeah. He's like, he would probably be fun to like cook some bratwurst with, you yeah. know, he has awful politics, but yeah. 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 And yeah. so he could get in we'll there. We'll lecture you at the age of 14 if you're a woman about why you should never get an abortion. But yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, even like, even saying like the current leaders are all set in stone, technically there's no law on the books that says the number one polling party has the first right to make a coalition. That's kind of like the custom. Mm. And like, I think that's the way it works in say the UK mm-hmm. is they actually get the first chance. Here it's like a bit more chaotic and has to get approved by the president. So like there is a scenario under which the SPD gets the most votes, but like lash it still becomes a chancellor it's not a very strong one but like it's it's technically possible that he could that they could then cobble together a coalition yeah this has happened before in german politics with the like social liberal coalitions i mean yeah that system has been in place in europe since uh, um the uh, mid 40s post world war ii largely as a bulwark against uh yeah it's democracy but if you accidentally vote for the communists uh, we have to we have a mechanism to stop you from making we may have to the ban the communists. you accidentally vote for the radical left communist olaf schultz yeah, yeah. <laughs> no guarantee he's, he's gonna lead the party olaf schultz is a leninist all right let's not forget that the spd is a marxist leninist party technically which <laughs> i want to get to and so <laughs> i'm very curious about this <laughs> <laughs> on the books on the books legally yeah. so yeah to get um to get actually to the parties themselves, I think it's important to run through like basically the big six here. Um, you know, yeah. I think there was a debate yesterday between like the top three being the SPD, the CDU, and the Greens. We'll talk about the debate and some takeaways from that later. But at first, I just want to like introduce these parties in case anyone is listening who doesn't have a super strong grasp of all the parties or just wants like a like a quick overview. Mm-hmm. And so what we'll do, I'll just go through in descending order of polling. Number one in first place, the SPD, the Social Democratic Party of Germany. Um, And basically a surprise first place. Um, No one really thought they would be polling as well as they are. People kind of thought they were dead. I'm still surprised. Yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) it's, it's interesting. I mean, one thing I've noticed is that, for example, you look at like the top fears of the Germans, it's like, Pensions, jobs, retirement, uh, climate, and like Schultz's campaign to its credit has posters that address all of those. Yeah. Stable pensions for everyone, uh, uh, secure jobs for everyone, so on and so forth. And so like their ability to actually solve any of this, that's up in the air. But like at least they're addressing the things on people's minds, whereas like every other poster has been like, wir machen die Zukunft zusammen like we make the future together or like Deutschland stark bleiben like Germany remains strong like just like meaningless phrases and so yeah his party the SPD polling at a rather astonishing 25.8% people really thought they were dead in the water and Mm. they've surged to number one in the polls recently last election they had only 20.5% which was their worst result in history I believe I mean everyone was sort of chalking this up to the death of social democracy in Europe Uh, there's been this like broad decline of social democratic parties all across Europe Uh, the German version looked very 
representative of that. Um, you know, they've they've surged back, um, at least in the polls. I always have to correct people to say, well, like you can have the death of social democracy at the same time you have the success of a nominally social democratic party. Yeah. Those two things are not in conflict with each other at all. If you actually look at the the policy base, yeah. The death of social democracy was the nineties. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, over. It's a, history ended, baby. Yeah, yeah. it's done. Like Hotsphere happened. So yeah, SPD, very, very like time-honored institution in German politics. You know, do have to give them credit in a lot of ways. They're originally were founded in like 63, their current state, um, 1875. As the Socialist Workers' Party of Germany, they were the largest Marxist party in Europe for a long period of time. Technically, in terms of their bylaws, they're still a Marxist-Leninist party. Um, like I said, listen to our episode on Hatzfia if you think there's any remnants of that at all in the party in terms of their actual policies. There are they not. just looked at but, the East and were like, well, they're doing it. Why can't we? So then they just became like a neoliberal institution. I get it. I see the I see the the, the, the swag, the struggle, you know. Yeah, and so they've been. I mean, they've been a really huge force in German politics for a super long time. I mean, Angela Merkel went to their 150th birthday party in 2013. The history is so long here; I can't cover it all. But like, um, in the post World War One period, where there was a ton of socialist uprising and and. Um, unrest in Germany, they, the SPD government under Friedrich Ebert, who is who their political foundation is named after, um, basically put this down quite violently by unleashing the Freikorps, which were uh, World War One veterans that had come back from the war, later kind of became basically Nazis, um, in many ways precursors. And so he, the Social Democrats, unleashed like basically a far-right proto-fascist group to put down the socialist uprising, famously killing Rosa Luxemburg. Mm. Um, the left still is mad at the SPD about this, basically, like 100 years later. This is like still a big point of conflict between yeah. the Social Democrats and the left. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Rosa Luxemburg that, I mean, kind of have to remember too that she was a member of the SPD up until then the USPD and the KPD then formed out of that split so I get when people like talk shit about this party me being one of these people um, but like this was this was the German party that like Marx and Engels were a member of you know like they are like it is the SPD um, in its DNA maybe or like may or may not be a Marxist party, but they are a socialist party. I think that then, like, the recent changes of them have been yeah. since the Schroeder era. The 1960s, 1970s version of this party would be deemed as extremist by German media now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that, like, the actual parliamentary wing of Die Linke, which is considered the far-left party, is, like, is at the, the same level or SPD. to the right of, like, a lot of the SPD about 50, yeah, 60 exactly. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is the one that then, I mean, and we'll get to it about then how the media has been hammering on about how the Red they Scare. are the biggest threat to German democracy. It's like I think the other thing I'm worthy of mentioning as well um, about the SPD and like the echoes of what uh, Nick and is talking about is the, the, is the fact that like, especially in the West... You can have people with incredibly radical politics, people who might describe themselves as communists, but they're like die in the wool uh, SPD voters because yeah, because the link is a, is a, is is an option they cannot vote for in the West in a lot of places. Yeah, because and, they're seen as a successor to the yeah. Communist Party in the East, so they're totally beyond the pale, even for people whose policy preferences yeah. are way to the left. 
I think the uh, the other thing that I would also bring up, not to be like ragging on the Vessies too much or whatever, and talk about Vessie nope, shit. But I'm like, gonna do it. <laughs> but the the other thing that about that like radical left Vessie voter who votes SPD is also particularly in places like NRV, uh, the SPD is being quite good with unions. So if you're mm. a union guy, yeah, exactly, you kind of just vote SPD out of loyalty, even if the like federal level of the party is maybe departed from that a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I think this, I mean, this ties into like an interesting a component of like the German labor union movement mm. is that like there is still like like German unions and the labor movement here hasn't been hollowed out in the same way that it's been like totally destroyed in the US to the UK. It's been like whittled around the edges, Corporated. it's been whittled down. But like there's still this very core segment, a very like privileged um, labor, um, you know, I'm not saying they, I'm saying privilege in a, like they don't deserve it way, but like there's a there's a, a fairly well off like manufacturing core in this country. You know, maybe you're in Ige Metall, um, you know, you're working in like the heavy manufacturing that still exists in Germany, and like they still have like quite good contracts, fairly good working conditions, and they still have jobs in a way that you just don't have in the former industrial areas of the US or the UK or other countries. And so there yeah. has been deindustrialization here, but not nearly to the same degree. And so there is this like core historical SPD union base that hasn't been totally obliterated in the way that like yeah. the labor union base of the say like the North of England has. I think too, in the sense of the historical development of how the SPD and the unions were always kind of connected. I mean, like remember the SPD was banned by Bismarck and his government, they were in a, they were a party that was illegal for yeah about fifty years I think until like until World War One if I'm not mistaken like around that time period and um, but they claimed yeah you know again on the controversy about them they claimed to be like Kaiser Troy yeah, like, yeah, during exactly. during World yeah, War yeah, One they were like oh yeah yeah we're like a we're a Marxist one, Leninist party except oh no we definitely support this yeah. war which is just like workers slaughtering each other yeah totally yeah, split absolutely. The party, yeah. But it's it is that then that you have this thing of a party that then has had this very deep union connection, but then also because of Germany's union connection that then is from Bismarck's um, construction of the like what we call now like the Sozialmarktwirtschaft has kind of um, taken a lot of the teeth out of what unions can do in Germany. So like while unions in Germany have a lot of you know sway with the political movements unions like the thing that's actually really interesting about the u.s in this context and i don't want to like harp back to that to the u.s but the fact that unions are like kind of powerless in a weird way makes them powerful in a way that then they can't exist like wildcat strikes were illegal in germany and like they're illegal in the u.s too but then like you know there was a, a string of wildcat strikes two years ago in the u.s that like did a lot of, of you know good policy change particularly like the teachers union strikes that like we all kind of you know you know it was kentucky think back on you know what it was kentucky right or was that it was multiple states not okay. even just kentucky but in germany like that like we're having like the train strikes now but those are negotiated like months beforehand you're allowed to have so like i think 60 percent of your staff can go on strike airplane strikes were like function the same way like lufthansa has strikes relatively like like um uh, frequent as well but like the, the trains SP... still operate People yeah the trains really still operate at yeah. all they literally just have you've just not like trains like where the whole country grinds to a halt yeah, yeah. And because 
because labor here is like it's much more institutionalized like it's yeah it's yeah. it's integrated into the functioning of the bureaucracy. state yeah. Like yeah, yeah. and the spd has allowed this to happen for a long 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 time which again not to say not like like you know not saying this is good or a bad thing but sim- simply in the sense that then that there is like like you were saying there is this like hierarchy of labor that then exists within or the, not not the hierarchy but like privilege of labor that exists within the SPD there's like this protected core yeah, yeah. and you yeah. see this in the sense of then how labor unions and the SPD function within one another of that they have lost a lot of I don't want to say that they've lost their bite but they they've lost a lot of them like the abilities to then um do the things that then like make labor unions a little bit more aggressive in their tactics. Like yeah. that can't that that like not very can't exist yeah. in Germany anymore. Mm. You know? Before we move on, Olaf Scholz is their candidate, current finance oh, yeah, minister, that, 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 former that mayor of Hamburg. Uh, he's pretty solidly on the neoliberal wing of the party. Yeah, he's kind of moved to the nope, left in some ways. He um, apparently read J.D. Vance's book, and that uh, helped change his mind about a few things, which doesn't give me a lot of hope for his politics. Yeah. Um, he's not a super charismatic guy, but he's Google been, Olaf Scholz, Leninist. I'm yeah, not he, lying he, about this. He, used he had to be, hair but, yeah. also, so you <laughs> yeah. really track the uh, move to the center when you start looking. <laughs> I think actually... Buy Rogaine, stay communist, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, the hair thing is actually a great comparison because it's just like, he said he was a Leninist once. So it's like, yeah, but he also had hair once. <laughs> like, things change. Okay, I'm going to keep us on track. Nice. We are moving down the line. In second place in the polling, we have the Union, the CDU, and CSU. They're mm. coming in at 21.8%, which is quite the dip uh, considering the previous election they had 32.9%. Which is still relatively low for them historically. Right? And it's also right. yeah quite a dip considering this is like the default party of Germany. Uh, yeah, exactly. this is the party that, that everyone's allowed to like govern with. Yeah, and yeah. The one party state is the CDU, yep. and they're technically two parties, right? Like, there's the CDU and the Bavarian sister party, the CSU, which is basically a harder right version of the CDU. Hmm. Together, like I said, they form the Union, and they're very pro business, socially conservative. Merkel's party, although. It's kind of like this broad tent. You get some more pure liberal in the European sense people, and then also your traditional kind of conservative types. Um, they were established right after the war in '45, taking power in Germany in 1949 under Konrad Adenauer. Don't look at who is experimenta. <laughs> You guys are just waiting for me to say the name. You can chime in. Say it. Say it, Michelle. Say Conrad. What about Conrad Adenauer? I just said don't look into his cabinet. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Just don't. Um, oh, West Germany in the, in the, what, the 50s? West Germany in the 50s? What? Yeah, you got your mix of kind of like anti-communist, Nazi... Yeah. Uh, resistors, not tomato, sympathizers. Tomato. Michelle, they and prefer South Americans. That's what oh, they prefer sorry. to be called. <laughs> um, and you're like outright Nazis mm. form the core of the party. Um, and this, like we've been talking about, has kind of become the natural party of government. Yeah. Only losing in 1969 with the, um, when the SPD formed a coalition with the FDP. And yeah. they, yeah, so they were on a 20 year winning streak there. Right. Yeah. And then again, then it like 
Cole was in there forever, and then only again when when Schroeder won with the Greens again. So yeah. like it's right. for, for most of German history, post-war German history, the CDU has been in charge. Exactly, the, the party that you're allowed to govern with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's really no party that wouldn't coalesce with them, yeah. right? I mean, they say they wouldn't coalesce with the AFD, which is true for now. Probably will happen eventually somewhere. Um, but like, but every, every, like almost every party, I guess, except the Linka, like could find enough common ground with them to form a government. The thing I do want to say about the CSU and the CDU, which I find a bit more interesting, and I think this is reflected more in the CSU than the CDU, which is they often, uh, which kind of differentiates them a bit from other kind of center right or nominally center right movements, uh, uh, particularly in the West, is they also do a little bit of the Eastern European center right shit of, um, uh, socialism but for the right people basically or, mm. or social democracy but for the right people yeah. like yeah they're very like strong families and like yes. giving people who have children a bunch of money and yeah. and they they invest in like schools moderately yeah. right like they like yeah. have that image of being good for families yeah. there's definitely what was the stat you said about the the child like tax um, oh yeah if you get into like the breakdown of what the tax brackets like mm. how they would change if it goes along with like the party platforms. If you have kids, like you're basically getting just a lump yeah. sum of money That's from right. the CDU, and nothing will change if you're There's, single. If, like, you're a, if you're a single mom or just single in general? Like single, single in general. Okay, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a, yeah, I guess like a vaguely sort of pro, pro-natalist, I guess you'd call it in the yeah. US. Like, I think um, one of the weirdest things about Bavaria as well is that it's one of the very few states in Germany where the AFD is in no way really a threat. Like, they don't do well on elections yeah. there. But, like, the Freie Wähler do, which <laughs> is, like, insane to me. Like, a relatively small right, like, I'm going to call them a right-wing party. They're kind of just this, like, direct democracy party, which in Germany is just code for right-wing bullshit. But they're, like, a very, like, petty bourgeois kind exactly. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the Freie Wähler are in a coalition. They're large enough in Bavarian local politics to be in a coalition. To then the point that at the CSU conference the other day, Marke Zerda had to like make a statement saying a vote for the Freie Wähler is a vote for Red Red Green because the Freie Wähler are like ungodly That's strong. That's the there. only thing he says. He's like a vote for insert <laughs> I mean, party here is yeah. a vote but for basically the... Everybody's been saying that. But the thing... Is a vote for the Red Red Green. As stupid yep, as totally. it is, as stupid as it is, there is legitimately a concern of the fact that like the Freie Wähler, although they do govern in coalition with the CSU on the Bavarian government level, on a local level, or I guess state level, could be taking away votes from the CDU or CSU because the Freie Wähler are a right-wing party. You know, yeah. the AFD has no ground really in Bavaria. They're like, t- I don't want to say that then the AFD only kind of like preys off of people who are like economically not doing well, but like kind of statistics show that that's like a little bit more so the case. You don't, you don't vote for the AFD if you're doing like super well, unless you're just like really racist. <laughs> and maybe that's why the AFD has doubled down on the racism this year. I don't know. But um, yeah. 
yeah, the CSU kind of already had that politics in the bag of like, yeah, you know, we got the racism, we got the conservatism, we have the social welfare stuff, you know, for the the good Christian shit, you know, like you have kids, you get lower tax bracket, like Bavaria has been on that for a while. You have a man who then is like telling, you know, that you can't wear a hijab in a classroom, but you have to have a cross in the classroom. All those bullet points of the AFD had been taken over in Bavaria years ago, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, with the party in general, right, like they're they're sort of um, I forget who famously said it. Was it Adenauer or someone else? But he said, like, the the goal of the CDU has to be like there's no like credible party to the right of the CDU in Germany, like take up all the space on the right. Yeah. And I mean, like, and, and so that's like they've kind of taken that lesson to heart, especially after the um, the refugee influx in 2015 which saw the afd support grow a lot and so there's been this like like all hands on deck kind of approach from the union like both parties that make it up about how to stop the rise of the afd Merkel has like taken a slightly more centrist not quite as openly xenophobic approach and then the csu has said like okay what if we basically just adopt all of the premises of the AFD to like take the wind out of their sails and that's like worked pretty effectively as as Nick I mean said. yeah yeah just to wrap up this section about uh the second part the of Christian talk Democrats <laughs> um they did preside over the reunification process of mm. um, East and West, which Where if you listen to the whole series that we did. Oh yeah, right, nothing Everything bad. went off without a hitch. And <laughs> yeah, it was, great. It was so perfect. CDU, and yeah, equating yeah. The, the, the exchange rate at one to one was the greatest idea ever. <laughs> and then two to one. God King Cole, good for him. He yeah. did a good job. Exactly, and then Merkel takes over after Shorter in 2005, yada yada, we're here now. Um, literally yeah that is how it goes <laughs> it's literally like fast forward from 2005 to president nothing has happened yeah yada yada yeah, <laughs> yeah. Germany has um, slightly worse in every way in the most boring way possible in the last 16 years and now we have Armin Amin Amin Laschet <laughs> Amin Laschet in charge and he just looks like he looks like, like a, a an evil dope. Keebler elf yeah he's he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy to me. He like, I, 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 I pinched him. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's the current minister president of the CDU in NRW, Nordrhein-Westfalen, Germany's largest state in the Northwest. And he's had this like series of like gaffes, which we kind of talked about on the climate episode. Mm-hmm. And but yeah. he's still like honestly holding relatively strong yeah like they're still not not going to drop below 20 percent, which is remarkable for how for how like high the floor is for the cdu in this country like he's done about everything wrong um you know miracle has like bad politics but is like a fairly formidable person i mean lashit has like similar to like worse politics and is just like awful at his job like he cannot answer questions like he can't he can't do anything the real basic armin lashit's uh, scandals of only last year are some of my favorite. Yeah, this is what I wanted to hear from you. You've been uh, doing some Instagram research. I've on his been illustrious. He's uh, pretty handsome. Son. Not even just all right. So the CD, we're just going to go like, let's do. Do we want to go big down to small or small up to big? Give me the funniest one. Give right? me the funniest. Oh, the funniest one has to do with an Amin. La- give me the give me the Amin Lashet. All right, yeah. Amin Lashet. All right, I I have to mention this maybe three times a week. Because I I feel that everyone should know about this. Um, 
so the CDU as a whole got in a lot of trouble for a lot of like uh, procurement fraud that was happening because of particularly the masks. Um, for those who do not know, Germany had for a very relatively long period of time, the only legal mask was the FFP2 mask. Do not look into that because I looked into that already for you of why that was. Yes, it is a CDU money laundering scheme. The best one is, though, is that Amin Laschet and his Instagram influencer son, Joe Laschet, whose real name is Johannes Laschet. Who looks like a poor man's Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Yes, yeah. That's exactly. just every straight German guy over 30, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they do. It was David yeah, Beckham true. in the 90s, and now it's it's now it's fucking that. Ugh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but Joe Laschet and his father, yes, that's right. I'm in Laschet, head of the CDU and the uh, you know chancellor candidate for them. Um, I'm in Laschet, like made a deal go through so that then his son would get a uh, an Instagram like endorsement. I, I don't know how like it actually works, but like I guess like an Instagram endorsement or like a clothing deal or whatever it was, a sponsorship yeah. with. A, a a fashion company that, that this company ended up making uh, PPEs, which did not work. There are warehouses full of PPEs that are are pretty much have to be thrown away because they're useless. And these FFP2 masks. And then they did a second round of it and uh, the court in like Wuppertal had to like shut it down and be like, this is very clearly... Uh, <laughs> procurement fraud. This is a non-competitive contract that's been given to a to a company, but it was all done so that then that Joe Laschet could get, um, you know, more Instagram clout, <laughs> which has ruined my brain because I have then also too, uh, being your um, you know, troop on the ground, um, I have gotten Instagram fights with Joe Laschet about this. <laughs> oh yeah. To where that he has told me on multiple occasions to do my research, and I'm like, baby, I already did. And then I have not been blocked by him yet. Because you know, if you hadn't done, if you hadn't done procurement fraud, and someone randomly on Instagram accused you of procurement fraud, like, you know, how would you react to that? If you had no idea what they were yeah, talking yeah. about, you, don't do your say you just would not respond to that person. <laughs> you would, yeah, exactly. Joe Lashet, you're guilty. I know you are, because you wouldn't say like, you wouldn't say. Like if you weren't guilty, if yeah, if you weren't guilty, you would say I didn't do it. If you were guilty, you would say do your research. I'm sorry, I'm not say. alleging guilt of any crime exactly. for any German politician. I do not. I, this is all allegedly. I'm just saying exactly. speculatively. If I were to do that, I wouldn't have made the same decision. Yes. yes. So I don't know what the libel laws in this yeah, country are. Do your research. Yeah, <laughs> is what I'm just trying to say. This yeah, is this is Wirtschafts, Wirtschaftspartei. Exactly. They are, they are the business Which, party. To and be very fair, to be yeah. very fair, what is more Wirtschaftlich than just like open corruption? <laughs> Nothing, that's it. Speaking of Wirtschaft, we have another party <laughs> that has actually, that has come to embrace their, their Wirtschaftliche Seite a little more <laughs> lately. And that is, of course, the Green Party. There's actually an FT oh, article. Like, wait, wait, with the FDP, but with the no, Greens. No, no, right? no, Ooh, no, you no like I'm the saying the, loop the, right the, there. The, Green, the FDP was born Wirtschaftlich. The, the Greens have yeah. only embraced it more recently. Exactly. And so the there was FDP actually was an FT article darkness. about this today, about like how the German Greens embraced business as part of their sort of broader move to the right over several decades. And so, you know, the Green Party, um, I think probably 
to people of like left-leaning sympathies you probably hear like greens you think okay maybe this is like maybe this is friendly maybe this is sort of up my alley maybe they have some good policies you see their sunflower branding yeah like, wow they like riding bicycles they're good i mean you know they, they have they some talk about the bumblebees a lot they have some like okay <laughs> policies i'm not trying to be like totally unfair but like what you see and what they market themselves as and who they were 50 years ago 40 years ago is not who they are today and i think that's like the most important thing to know about the german greens their current party came into existence in 1993, um, a union of that was called like the Alliance 90 from the East and then the Greens in the West. The Western Greens have a little longer history. They come from the anti-war and nuclear movement and peace movement in the 1980s, started out really with like very radical elements and have since moved right. I mean, there's like this has been circulating on Twitter a lot, but there's this funny um poster of the greens in the 80s that was like uh said like you know um west germany get out of nato that's right i agree and yeah i mean i i agree with that sentiment as well but now they say any condition to be in a coalition with them has to be like full-hearted support for nato addressing that to to the left party who who is not in favor of nato so just just in terms of this like one policy it's gone from like a core demand of theirs to leave nato 40 years ago to now not even something they support but something they say is a condition for being in the government mm. and so this wouldn't be their first time in government um in in almost all coalition possibilities they do figure in there's a very very high likelihood that the greens will be in the next government this will not be their first time in government, despite how it's kind of discussed, like they're this like newcomer. They were part of the Rot-Grun Regierung under Gerhard Schröder. Again, uh, they went to Afghanistan. Like. Yeah. And yeah, they supported um, like the bombing in. Um, yeah, they supported like foreign military interventions. They supported um, they supported Hatsfia, these like, you know, notorious uh, welfare reforms um, under Joschka Fischer, who was the foreign minister of the Greens, were like quite a like quite a militarist, like very pro-intervention um, force in German politics. Actually, even he himself had a lot of ties with the actual the U.S. neocons. And um, so was was very in favor of like a much more muscular German foreign policy. And it's interesting how they sort of made this analytical jump, right? They were like, oh, we're the party of peace and we don't like the Cold War. And then after the Cold War, they say, oh, no, like now we're, we're still in favor of peace, but we're like we're waging these humanitarian interventions. And it's so they like, ended, baby. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so like they're literally saying like, oh, no, 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 we still love peace so much. That's why we need to go to war. Yoshka, like, I, I don't want to get too hung up on him because he is an, an incredibly interesting He deserves his own episode. Like, yeah, he's he does. Really, really interesting Yoshka figure. Fischer is the perfect embodiment of this transitional period of the end of history, I think. Because his roots come like, I, I, I don't even want to like you know, give him, like, too much credit. Like, I don't want to say that he's, like, you know, bad or evil or this and that and that. Like, he's not, like, in the level of, like, an American politician or whatever, where it's, like, calculated. Yoska Fischer, like, does this thing that, like, the Greens do where they think that they're on the right side of history continuously yeah. and is duped. Like, genuinely duped. And I do legitimately think that someone like Yoska Fischer went into the, these discussions of, going into Afghanistan with them, like the right feeling in his heart because of where the world was post nine yeah. 11. And then, um, yeah, I'm getting fucked, you know, continuously just 
the Greens are a party that then can be embodied in the sense that then that because they have no actual ideological structure beyond that of green politics currently, their stuff can be continuously molded and duped. Yeah, and it's like if you only have these vague values, like you say, we want climate protection and we want peace. But you don't give then them you can a, a playbook those. of how Anyways, to do we it. can say we need to do climate protection through a more like like a like an eco-socialist approach yeah, yeah. or, or you can say we need to do a market-based thing you can say we're going to have peace through disarmament or you're going to say we can have peace through military intervention so exactly if, if all you're saying is these like broad nice sounding ideals there's not really any like policy or ideological grounding there and i think that's why you've been able to see the greens move as far right in a lot of ways as you can like you know, I want to be clear, like not all of their platform is terrible, like their economic policy domestically is better than the other main parties. They're the only one willing to entertain getting rid of the debt break. Um, so that, that that's just good. Um, that needs to happen in order to actually do enough investment to avert a climate catastrophe. But yeah, overall, they've had this approach, which is like coming closer to business and then seeing business as an ally in the fight against climate change rather than an obstacle or like an enemy to be overcome. And so they've given this like very pro-business mindset and this this approach. They've adopted this in lieu of any kind of broader structural change. Annalena Baerbock is their chancellor candidate. Um, she's fairly on the right wing of the party, um, not as right as the other co-chair, um, Habeck, but like both on like the, they call them like the realos, like the realist, as opposed to the fundies, the, the fundamentalists. And there's been like this long internal battle in the party. And basically the realos have, have triumphed um, oh, yeah. pretty substantially, you could say. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Greens, uh, something that, like, Nick's mentioned on Corner Spady before is, like, the Greens are also kind of, like, all over the place. And we saw mm. this with a debate last night when, like, Baerbach was questioned about, like, the uh, expropriation, Deutsche von Kohn-Teignon. She was like, yeah. oh, that's only in Berlin. And, well, like, why is that only in Berlin? Like, why is there a, a, a section of your party that is doing something that you have to, like back away from so like skittish right because the greens here social. are fairly supportive of it not like not explicitly in the way d-linka is but they're not like condemning no, no they it, are yeah. they are they've they've they support it in their local they yeah. support it but like you're not seeing yeah. signs no, no, like they're not course. campaigning yeah. on it no no absolutely yeah, yeah. True, true, yeah. True. the uh, uh but the, the the thing about like the greens all over like one thing that we've uh, uh fixated on our show quite a bit is the baton württemberg greens which mm. are in coalition in that state in the southwest of Germany, if anyone doesn't know. Uh, it's where the Black Forest is. Uh, uh, and Stuttgart. Very wealthy it? state. Very wealthy state. a lot state. of car manufacturing, yeah. yeah. Lib Bavaria, you could think of it. Uh, um, but, like, they, they are very much in the kind of... How to say this without being libelous? They tend to have politics that are very beneficial to Daimler, uh, uh, the large car manufacturer based in Stuttgart and they work with the CDU there as well um, but again like, not to say that this is like there's just varying degrees of left to right of this party all across the country as well because there's other things like like you said the Greens here in Berlin are quite to the left especially compared to other Green parties but at the same time they're also big pushers of privatizing the S-Bahn 
which is a, it, which is the thing. I don't think any green voter in this in this city, like the average green voter in the city, knows they're trying to do. Uh, well, I mean, that's just because of European competition law, and they're pro Europe, and so they don't really want to do it, but they just love Europe so much. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love Europe too. Yeah, but I don't want to say that, that. There's nothing else that comes with that statement. Just that. sure, he's yeah, coming yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm joining a smaller party that we may get to that may melt here. No, but. <laughs> but yeah. So the the getting back to the Greens though, they are very wishy washy in their core principles, and that allows them to kind of like go everywhere and uh, nowhere at the same time. And then at this, uh, they're also very heavily reliant on branding, quite a yeah. bit of we are the greens with the green party. Yeah, Michelle yeah. mentioned the the sunflower that looks quite sexy. Exactly, yeah, and yeah. I'd vote for it. I'd vote, I'd vote nice, for the sunflower. It's a nice sunflower, one. the sunflower on the green background. Like, it looks good. And I think this also ties back into the more radical past I was mentioning, mm. um, you know, where they were, like, heavily anti-war, um, it, like, and had this, you know, like, in, in many ways, yeah, we're, we're, like, a quite a quite radical, like, a radical party. Like, if I were my age in, you know, 19... 19- mid 1980s like i probably would have been drawn to that party if i lived in west germany like they they had some some very promising elements and but they're able to kind of draw on that history as a source of credibility especially as their base has aged has gotten um much much more prosperous you know they've mm-hmm. kind of become like the urban the urban like new petty bourgeoisie and so you know the people that are successful you know they work in some inane startup job or a doctor or whatever you know like stereotypically like Prenzlauer bag like one of the, the yes like the, the nicer the nicer districts of berlin it don't they have like, like the wealthier voting groups they yeah berlin? they have almost no support from lower income people and yeah. so and yeah you know i i don't know if it's like an ideological shift that they've come closer to business um or a strategic shift or just really like their base has become you know wealthier n- exactly like, or they're just responding to the needs of their base. I think it's definitely a mixture of all of them. But like, basically, if you're a fairly well-off person that like that supports kind of like social justice goals and principles, the Greens don't pose any threat to you economically. Like, they're probably not going to raise your taxes, yeah. and so you get to feel good about them and like about your vote without really posing like a big economic risk to yourself. I mean, like they have a fairly progressive plan. You might, if you're making like $150,000 euros a year, your taxes might go up a bit, but it's like, it's, you're fairly secure in a way that like, say if the Linka managed to get a majority, which will never happen. But like, if you made a few hundred thousand dollars a year, you would probably feel the bite of taxes like quite a lot more and your life might actually change a bit. With the Greens, you don't really have to worry about that. And Nick, you alluded to this thing that has turned into like maybe one of the dumbest culture wars ever. (laughs) What is this? I do this a lot. (laughs) Um, This is the Greens... So there's like these cargo bikes in Germany, oh, the, the Lastenfahrrad. Damn it! I knew you were yeah, going to mention sorry, this. Sorry, sorry, but I, I think I think it's like very actually very important for the like understanding context of poli- like politics in this country. <sighs> is like this like dumb transportation things have turned into a culture war where the Greens always show like you know a kind of like. Uh, handsome late 30s german dad like biking his little family around in a cargo bike with them in the front and that's their like that's like you know their poster or whatever and it is one of their posters actually yes 
Yeah, exactly. They they love it. And like this this is like who their base is. And they cost I don't know what, a few grand. Like they're expe- lot. Like, they're expensive. They're grand, the price yeah. of a fucking Twingo. All they're right? the pr- they're expensive for a bike, but they're cheap for a car. The issue here basically is that it's been seen as like extremely indicative of the greens politics of like a very like consumer based pro environment politics that's all about individual consumption. Yeah. It's like it requires a like significant investment of capital on the the actual individual's part. And so they get to feel good and smug about it. But like this isn't actually a recipe for any kind of broader systemic change as you guys mentioned like yeah. by just massively investing in public transit or something and yeah. so it it really epitomizes people's critique of the greens i think both on the left and the right and that's and it's like turned into this very dumb like flashpoint in the culture wars here and do you ever actually see one on the street i like 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 parked no i don't never. They're too i expensive. don't and so like how yeah. what kind of living situation are you in it's you you've got a very beautiful you got a very very beautiful inner courtyard yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's it. it's half to the park you basically take it from the central courtyard of your apartment building to the park they're never they're never parked in the street but, yeah. yeah it's not that they're like a bad thing it's just like epitomizes a very annoying political exactly thing. And I, like that's why people I get think they're the, like it. like in the sense that then like the greens have the potential of if they were to double down and become, let's say, like the U.S. Greens, one of the only good green parties in the world. We've been going, you know, for a while on these parties, and I think that makes sense because these are like the these are the three big ones, the three that actually have chancellor candidates that go to the debates, um, and the three that have you know the, the the greatest polling by a pretty wide margin. And so we'll just run through the other three that are currently in the Bundestag real quickly. It is kind of frustrating that they don't like cast the net a bit wider and have the top six at the debate. They yeah, should, it would be such a different experience. I agree because like not not that like obviously the like D Linka like lead candidate would have a chance of like becoming the chancellor, but it would be nice to see someone with a more left wing orientation, um, like actually be able to go at like person to person against another candidate and criticize their policies and like. I mean, I'm saying that like from from a left perspective, but I think if you were a bit more on the right too, you'd probably like to see Christian Lindner get to ask like Baerbach a pointed question. And I think like it would strengthen the kind of like debate in this country and the dialogue to be able to have every party on a huge televised national audience, like actually directly interrogating the others. It's At least ver- once, you know, like, yeah. it's like it's like having Marianne Williamson up there, like everybody. <laughs> right, like you could winnow it down maybe at yeah. the end, but I would like to see like a bit more of a, a, a broader thing at first, yeah. I should have clarified actually at the start that there's what's called like a, the 5% threshold in German politics, where your party only gets its proportional number of seats if it clears 5%. So if you get like four or something, like you could actually have zero seats. Um, and that like that became pretty relevant actually during the, the Schroeder, like Hatzfia era where the PDS, the predecessor to Die Linke, barely didn't clear the threshold and so didn't have representation in parliament aside from a couple directly elected seats. And so this is like, a, it, it's just another quirk of the system that's important to know about though. So if you see a party kind of getting down in like the seven, six range, then they, there's a chance they might not make it. Um, which which we'll get yeah. to. So I just quickly want to run through these last three parties that are in there. Um, the AFD, the Alternative für Deutschland, um, the extremely bad far right party, polling currently at eleven four point four percent average, 
previously they they now they were sitting on seven point nine from the previous election. To be very fair, though, like in the in the contrast of the previous to the the now number of them, they have not budged for over a year. Yeah. So, like, when you look at the before and after, it's it's they're not. It's not this like yeah. nonstop surge of the yeah. far right that people were yeah. worried about. They have, a few they, years they, ago. they have kept their their base around eleven, twelve percent. Yeah. Uh, they're they're gonna be in parliament next or in in the Bundestag next election or after the next election. Uh, they're not this like kingmaker like people were gonna like try to make out them out to be. They will not they, be in government on yeah. any in any circumstance. They got eighty eight seats last election, which is the most like fitting fucking bullshit but yeah so yeah they're like kind of your your classic european far-right party uh anti-immigrant yeah. there's um, not really much to say about them yeah i don't want to i won't dwell on them i mean i think it's in, the they their origin story is interesting issue. because they started as like kind of an academic economist anti-euro yeah. party yeah, in the exactly. wake of the euro crisis quickly pivoted to like a just totally anti-immigrant like racist yep. party um that's a that's with, a whole with, other episode basically yeah there's a whole a whole episode to do on this became really powerful especially after the the post 2015 um, refugee so-called crisis they like kind of capitalized on that not a lot to say just your they just run the gamut of your like terrible politics of you know misogyny xenophobia um being extremely pro car because like we said the whole transportation thing has like turned into a, a do you want to fuck war. your car is the real question if so afd or another party maybe yes speaking of the other car loving party um well i guess the there's three car loving parties maybe the most vehement car loving party is the FDP, the Free mm. Democrats, the the? You said that you don't want to talk about this party, but I got a lot to say about this. Yeah, we're I'll, gonna we're I'll, gonna we're gonna we'll I, let you, we'll let you go, but we're gonna we're gonna try to yeah. contain. All the right, beast all right, here. all right. If the CDU, so, if the CDU is the party of business, the FDP is the party of business, but with a Z, business. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. FDP is one of my is my favorite party in Germany. They're very crazy. So yeah. they're they call themselves classically liberal, and I Which think that that makes that sense because if insane. you meet someone and they call themselves a classical liberal, go away from them. Do not they, talk to them. Get away. They they're want racist. you to think they really like Adam Smith. No, no, and but they Hyatt, really, really, but really actually like, just really racist. They really like like Barry Goldwater. And exactly. Shit like that. Yeah. So they're like, psychopaths. Remember yeah, when liberalism so those was kind of guys. Remember when liberalism was first founded and all those great things were happening like slavery yeah. and women could <laughs> like, yeah nothing nothing bad ever just just no. vibes yeah but hamilton the musical um, exactly i love the fdp i i mean not in the sense i would ever vote for them They're, you're an innovator i'm an innovator i'm i'm always doing photos i'm always doing pictures like this this is a this is a podcast, Nick. Jesus, <laughs> I just tented my hands. This is like yes. up up miracle hands, but upright. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm tenting my hands. I'm telling yeah. you how to how to score with ladies. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm a cool, chill guy. Um, I, no, I corner I love, people I, at parties to tell them about Bitcoin, whether they want exactly. to hear it or not. Well, I, you're you're only talking about one small part of one part of the party. The exactly. FDP is made up of two types of people. One. Pick cool up dudes, artists, other Bitcoin part, bros, losers. and the other are like, you know, you see those couples that's like one woman who's like 55 with blonde hair, ripping a G class around the corner and like murdering someone on their bicycle. Exactly. With a like landlord husband who's like dressed like he's going golfing, except he's like just 
walking around Friedrichstrasse in Berlin. Like, yeah. like that couple and like that guy are the party. Yo, can I can I be their third? <laughs> <laughs> we really dig your vibe, Nick. We saw you from across the bar. The one thing I want to say about them in the context of a wider world is that like while they're kind of pitched internationally as this like centrist party because that's the best way you can really place them as like being like in between I will the not seat. dare do that I'm gonna no, place no. them as like a relatively like far right wing party right, but, but, like but in the in the European context right they'd be in the the ALDE right yeah. yeah yeah the like more like we love Europe well you know more about them yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. It, it, it's an interesting thing because that is not true like one of the things that happened with the last time they were uh, uh, in the 2017 election when they were like supposedly going to be a coalition partner they didn't want to work with the greens because the greens were too good to immigrants like this is this is something that like their equivalent in the uk like the lib dems could never say publicly yeah like yeah. They, they're very different from other in this respect they're definitely very different from other center parties across europe with maybe only like the seas in spain being a decent comparison yeah, the thing that I love about the FDP, because remember, I've, I've mentioned three times, I think, now that I love this party, is that they embody the truest sense of liberalism within a Western European country. That is that they are racist. They like don't like migrants. They have um, changed their policy positions on this like multiple times to like, like now this election, they're pro-migrant. Last election, if I'm not mistaken, that they were like were anti-migrant. They have one of the funniest heads of the party who continuously says that then that he does not want a cult of personality and that then what he does is build an entire cult of personality around the FDP to then... Re- this being Christian Lindner. Yeah, Christian Lindner. The we, party are, is- we will link to a video of him that's... Um, no, no, no. Come fun. to the live show. Yeah, come to the live exactly. show. Yeah, the come to, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going we're to plug that come later. Come to the live show, then you can see but the video. Christian, describe Christian Lindner. Christian Lindner is that dude that you knew when you were in high school who's like wearing a suit to school. I mean, it, it depends where you go to school, but... Um, Roly backpack kid, business boy. Uh, I would weirdly, say he traded his roller backpack out at twelve for like a leather briefcase. Yeah, exactly, because he was like, "I'm done being a nerd. I'm like a business genius he's a, now." Yeah. He's kind of like a blonde, spiked hair guy. Like, yeah. like I think I think probably a lot of his appeal is that like the woman driving the G class thinks he's handsome. Like, I think yeah. that's a big Christian. Part of Linda, that's exactly it. Christian Linda thinks that he is he is a fucking 10 and all yeah. right as a as a bisexual man i will tell you christian Linder is a fucking three all right christian linder is is just don't even i think even. he's so average looking he but he's below average no the fact that then christian linder is so overconfident like he has six photos fo- I, I found i found five the other day but it turned into six the other day yeah six photos are, are around berlin at least alone of Christian Lindner, six different photos yeah. for the national election. He is full of himself. The he's best one being him um, with like a light on like it's like like it's late at night. He's on his desk. There's like a giant stack of papers. Yeah, like, just like burning the midnight papers. oil. <laughs> never has there been more to do. As if like. 
Christian's just there, like going through papers, and it's also funny because they're the party that's like we need like digitalization. digitalization. <laughs> yeah, and so Christian, but say Christian a little fax, please. Yeah. Christian's no just going through the, the stacks of, of papers, like iPod, doing though. I don't know, I don't work. know. Is he like stamping on Melvin or like whatever? I have no idea. Let's do an episode all about the FTP. I would love to. We every one of these parties needs their own episode. I mean, I mean if you want to talk is, about the FTP, this I needs a this to. needs a whole series. And yeah. I should just say. One last thing about this before we move on to our sixth and final party is I find it funny, and this ties back to the Greens as well, is at the start of the debate last night, Baerbach was asked about coalition possibilities. And the main two possibilities it looked like there might be are the SPD, the Greens, and then one of the one of like a, a third party. And that's either going to be Die Linke, who we'll get to, um, the left party, or the FDP, who we've just been talking about. And so she said, well, she's concerned about uh, Europa, like Europe and the EU. And therefore, she doesn't know if like the Linke would be the best because they don't favor like this kind of muscular like defense posture that some other parties do. And it's very ironic because the FDP actually is like totally opposed to any EU level uh, collateralization of debts, any kind of like more integration. And so like these policies that are very damaging actually to European unity, if that's what you're in favor of, the, the FDP is not the party for you. Yeah. And it's it's ironic that they're only going by the sort of like headline, like foreign policy things when it's really the economic component that matters the most. And there's like some fairly centrist observers outside of Germany that view the FDP as like a huge threat to the Eurozone because of what it, they as German economic policy would impose on other countries and also yeah. refusing to take on any debt. And so like, this is like a, this is like a fairly radical party. And oh, yeah, one of, of the only two, wait, two or three parties who doesn't want to do the debt, who wants to continue the debt break. Yeah. And like without any exceptions yeah, yeah. or something like, like, like full Schwarz and Null, like we, like, you know, we mentioned this on the, the fiscal politics episode, but like the FDP is probably the most radical about this and like goes counter to everything that Philippa yeah. was saying in her interview about like everything that makes sense and we should do. The FDP is more opposed to that than the CDU or any other parties. Yeah, the like CDU they is have, like actually it's the only party policy position that then they're like low key stayed true to up until Corona. Yeah. yeah. And the FDP is like hardcore radical on this and like a really, really like destructive Yeah, because way. I can run a country the way that I run a household, which is I don't know what I'm doing, but like, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's ironic for the party that sells themselves as the business party to have like a, a completely like zero grasp of macro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have yeah. they have no understanding of, of anything other than than the most childish version of like. They paid attention in the first like week of yeah, Econ like, 101 and then peaced out and thought they learned everything. I think so. you like it's exemplified perfectly in the Berlin local politician, the Sebastian guy. What's that? Mm. Yeah. Saya? Who is like, who has the I have no idea how posting. to pronounce it. He does, but, have, he does have bisexual light posting. Which but is, he's on a crusade against the Indignen yes. people. And he just he lies constantly. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poster, which is brilliant. I mean, that dude just has no idea. Like, he keeps repeating, like, the same lies. And, like, Tagesspiegel keeps being like, this guy's lying. Yeah, just misrepresenting the economics of how it works yeah. when, like, a publicly yeah. owned Again, asset this is, is what happens money. when I, like, read the first three paragraphs of an economic textbook and I base my entire ideology yeah, I off mean, it. This is, and then only read Ayn Rand. This is an entire political... This is an entire political party who watches things like... Watches movies like American Psycho and Wolf of Wall Street and then goes... Cool. 
uh, like that's their well, main the takeaway. Does the same thing too, baby. Oh yeah, I saw that. But like, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's. Yeah, it, it's very surface level. Uh, I think looking at a picture of any of these lead candidates, whether it's the Berlin or the National, you'll probably get their vibe just by looking at them. A hundred percent. Yeah. FTP. Yeah, not not good. And and actually, like a quite a a pretty a pretty crazy thing that the two center left parties, the Greens and the SPD, are thinking about doing a coalition with them instead of the left. Like the left would maybe make them push their like pensions or minimum wage like slightly higher. Whereas like Literally the FTP, one euro higher. Yeah, exactly. So they could, for example, the left wants 13, the Greens and the SPD want 12. Okay, maybe they could settle at 1250. Whereas Christian Lindner is demanding to be the head of the finance ministry, which is effectively a veto player over the entire yeah. German political system. Yeah. There would be a lot of disappointments and a lot of problems in a red, red, green coalition. And like people who support Die Linke would like have to swallow quite, quite a lot of very bitter pills in that government. But it is the only hope for like any vaguely yeah. progressive, vaguely decent thing to happen. And that can transition us to Die Linke, the actual party, um, that I think probably all of us are, are hoping a bit get, gets into the government. Um, like we said, you know, it's, it's difficult with the math and the different negotiations that could happen there. This is the leftmost party in the Bundestag. They're often depicted as like the radical left or like very uncharitably as like a sort of uh, a, a mirror image of the AFD, which is like extremely stupid. Um, Armin Laschet was trying to say that. Baerbach, to her credit last night, was like, no, that's completely dangerous. That doesn't make any sense. Like, they're just like a social democratic party with like slightly more left-wing views than other parties, which is true in their current state. Um, mm, yeah. They they were founded um, as a result of the merger of the PDS, the Party of Democratic Socialism, which is the successor to the SED, the Socialist Unity Party, the ruling party in East Germany, and the uh, the Wahlalternative Soziale Gerechtigkeit Party, which was like a split away from the WASG, which is a split away from <laughs> the SPD after people resigned in protest from Hatzfia. So there's this like... That's right. Yep. The real ones. Yep, exactly. And so there's this like splinter movement of the SPD from the West meets the like former socialists of the East and they form Die Linke, just called literally the left. Um, and so, you know, they like, yes, they have this like lineage that goes way back in terms of, like this like convoluted process I just described. Um, so like technically there's some like very old lineage to the actual Communist Party of East Germany. Yeah. These people are not going to implement um, another GDR if they're polling at, you know, currently about 6%. Like, the, one, they wouldn't do that if they had a majority. Two, they, like, they, they won't. Wouldn't, they well, wouldn't I'm not going to vote for them. Then yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> Two, they wouldn't have the power to do it within the coalition at all. You know, they're, they're social democratic. There's some old communists in the party, mostly people that are just a bit too left for the SPD. Their policy positions pull pretty well overall. Mm. They're not great at translating that into actual votes. They're the, the worst at their they're not like, great at marketing. ground campaign. They're yeah. horrible at it. It is so depressing because Die Linke, like you said, has like the most, I would probably just say it's a pretty straightforward generic social democratic yeah. platform people don't like military interventions they want yeah. better pensions they want better minimum wage they want better health care d supports all of this stuff 
but they very much struggle to connect with the average German. Yeah, because they're like, I mean, first off, their their posters are just like build slogans half the time. It looks yeah, like, or look like Media Markt commercials, yeah, 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 which yeah. is like the Best Buy of Germany. It's a it, it's a it's a darn shame because the the for anyone listening to this podcast, the kind of activist wing of also of Die Linke is also quite good. So like in that respect, their their ground game is kind of good. But like messaging and marketing is a real big problem, and like brief history like one of the most successful breakaway like candidates or personalities they had on like a national level was also a person who held like really heinous beliefs that like half the party didn't like half the party membership didn't like like uh Wagenknecht. yeah yeah this is a huge split in the party and so like this is a party polling at less than 10 percent with huge internal divisions within that relatively small amount damn the left has internal divisions what i know Crazy. this would have to be the first what? time the first in time history in history that a left party the first time split. ever well i'm not i'm not going to like undersell this a little bit because like they cause a split within the party but the thing was vagan connect on a national level was inc- was like weirdly popular like outside of dilinka as well which was what caused a lot of people to like some enthusiastically sided with her others kind of like reluctantly sided with her uh, of like well she's really popular kind of thing but uh she's kind of died down i i think she's still present but like i'm she's here the I'm, head candidate in nav she is yeah she good. she led this movement like called aufstand like oh, stand yeah. up went into the ground which totally which totally fell apart but it was basically like it's like what about 2017 a little after where like there was this idea that like the secret to winning is doing leftist economics plus racism basically yeah yeah. Yeah, so she tried to piggyback on the like our revolution thing that like bernie was doing but like not well no not well at all and so it it totally split the party because a lot of the party is committed to like social justice and like racial inequality i mean like the vast majority of the party and she tried to be like oh well we can win back the working class if we do leftist economics plus racism and you know that didn't work and didn't reach any agreement in the party, like thankfully, because people weren't in support of that. But that did a lot of damage to it because I think now quite a few younger left-leaning people yeah. who support D-Linka on a lot of policies are like, well, well, wait, I don't want to be associated with like anti-immigrant policies at all. And so then they well, might get drawn more to the Greens. Exactly. Yeah. She poisoned the party for, for a decent amount of people, even though like on the national level now, that's not what they stand for at all. Like they are very progressive in like, economic and racial terms yeah which is a shame um it is but i mean in spite of it they there is a chance that they might enter national government for the first time Mm. and so yeah that that wraps up the parties um we've definitely been going long today there's a lot to talk about with all all these uh all these fun little organizations thought we had to talk about two parties and that was it so I, i did not come prepared (laughs) <laughs> no, it's all good. Thanks, guys, for for sticking through it. Um, is there are there any other parties you would like to highlight real quickly? No one else is going to no, Kira. No, don't the- do it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go off. Anyone who's listened to Corner Spady probably knows that I've become terminally obsessed with the political party Volt, which is a pan-European party. The reason we're obsessed with it on Corner Spady is because it is basically. Uh, it's kind of like your neoliberalized greens neoliberalized spd but without any of the like 
credentials or history that would make them in any way redeemable like imagine the greens but they didn't have like an anti-nato movement in their past or imagine the spd if they didn't have like the loyalty of like unions or like socialists in the west or whatever you would whatever you would consider decent um, that that they're, that plus, they're grifters I w- I w- plus like a little mckinsey on top there am i right yeah exactly oh yeah, yeah. the three founders come from mckinsey and co which is uh just go to the wikipedia page and look at the controversial uh, a controversy section of mckinsey and co if you want a fun uh, read. kieran not all mckinsey and co <laughs> <laughs> uh they they could at least denounce it at the very fucking least i think the thing is they they campaign somewhat left somewhat progressively and i think that has unfortunately tricked some people because of a lot of different things they oppose deutsche von okor and teignon they uh, they're very much opposed to the idea of reintroducing a wealth tax in this country uh a, a lot of little stuff that is very much required to like have a decent germany in my opinion and they also operate in all their European countries because so you can see the positions they've taken there. Uh, um, weirdly, in the Netherlands, they're like for defense spending in NATO and stuff like that. It's they're they're not good. Um, they're also weirdly naive. It's it's a whole thing I'm obsessed with. We've done like two or three episodes in Corner Spady about them and their weird funding that they have. Can I share my favorite party now? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted, to, I wanted to go around. We should be clear that, um, well, Kieran, they're they're pretty irrelevant on the national level, right? Oh yeah. But like, you're you gave a rogue prediction to me when we weren't recording that they could end up in the actual Berlin Senate. I I believe they could out? end up in Berlin government. Uh, they're already in local governments in a lot of places like Berlin, which is a lot of urban settings. They're in the Cologne local government. They're in the Bonn local government. They're in the Hamburg local government. So. I think it's probably going to happen here. All right, Nick, who's, right. Your, who's your favorite small party? My favorite small party is an oldie, but a goodie, because they got in one of the dumbest controversies this year. It is the DKP, the German Communist Party, mm. um, because they cried wolf after they uh, did not hand their paperwork in in time started yelling on social media that this is fascism, that they did not hand their paperwork in on time. Um, I mean, that's what I say every time I don't hand in my exactly. paperwork on time. So <laughs> Me too. I, I absolutely related and did they not They rallied all the tankies from like the deep depths of Twitter to be like, yes. nobody's paying attention the to classic. what's going on Literally, in Germany. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Coming up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Michelle is not joking. Like, international tanky Twitter of like, what, a thousand people all together internationally. Erupted. Erupted. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh my God, Germany is canceling communism once now and forever even though there are another there's another communist party the mlpd who filled out the paperwork in time and is allowed to run great job folks um the thing that is the funniest thing about the dkp is that this party it wasn't even as much there was a, a calculated effort to ban them it was that they had a like you have to think about it. it's a german west german communist party everyone in that party is like over the, either is either like under the age of 15 or like over the age of 65 there is no in between and one of the party heads apparently had a 
an agreement with the election council to hand their paperwork in later. And they've been doing that every year for the past six years. And eventually they just got like annoyed with them and were like, please stop doing this. And they just barred them from running. And then the DKP went online being like, oh, Maran, this is social. This is, this is fascism, baby. We're a, we're a, we're a communist party. Oh, and then, uh, would it surprise you that then, uh, after them just complaining enough, the uh, Bundesverfassungsgericht ruled that they can actually run? Which now here's me going real, uh, you know, Rob brain. Um, the DKP is in cahoots with the Bundesverfassungsgericht <laughs> and are actually and are actually anti-communist. So if you're a real oh communist, you vote for the MLPD. What I mean, I only draw two lessons from this. One, if you forget to hand something in on time and people get mad at you, one, say it's fascism. Two, don't stop bitching about it until they say it's valid. Exactly. So good for them. I would say, I mean, that's a, that's a yeah. strong political party in my yeah. book. I'm not saying, do not vote for this party. This party's boring. Yeah. Uh, they have the best posters in town. Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, but as a party, they are boring. They suck. And it's like a they get like 0.02% of votes. Michelle, do you have a favorite small party? Um, I didn't really come prepared, but I do kind of like to picture that the split between the like Tierschutzparteien happens because <laughs> they disagree whether like muscles are sentient beings. I don't know if you guys have heard this argument for like veganism that like vegans can eat shellfish because they like don't have consciousness because there's like three animal pro- there's, yeah. like, the, there's like the animal protection and environment party and the animal protection part like there's like there's like one th- of them three like, different animals. One of them we parties, found out right? just like racist. One's right wing. One's <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. very right wing. But one of them must have like a ton of money because they get the big signs like all across Berlin. <laughs> yeah, just the regular Tierschutz Partei, baby. Oh, that's just that's just that classic Tierschutz kid. So the in. the Tierschutz Partei is actually more popular than I think. Well, we'll see how Volt does, but like they are more popular than. Uh, um, the two communist parties. Critical support for the Tia Schutzpartei. <laughs> as, a, as a bulwark against Volt, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have actually have a new party I want to talk about today because I just saw a poster for them for the first time and I was just amazed that this was a real thing. It's called Die Urbana, eine oh, yes. Hip-Hop-Partei. The so, you a hip-hop party, um, hip-hop. which I only saw signs in... I was in Schunebag and I saw like two signs for <laughs> the realist which is area. like for people that don't know Berlin like not like the hip hop area I'm so surprised you've just found out about Dio Bana they are actually very good on a yeah, lot yeah they have of really issues. good politics yeah they yeah. actually have decent politics um, yeah you know things social justice um, equality among all citizens and uh, apparently they favor a UBI so I mean you know what they're not that bad all, well, I'm, I'm out then all, all right. 261 members have great <laughs> politics <laughs> It's so, owned, but like the zero out of seven hundred <laughs> on the Bundestag. Yeah, they got they yeah they got um the well three three thousand votes in twenty seventeen. They were founded then too. So, you know, good good for them. Best luck to I, uh, the hip hop part. The thing for that next I love time. about D Urbana is that it really fits the time around. Like this, you said the twenty seventeen was when they were founded. Yeah. All right. I'm imagining like a few years before that, where it was like when you'd go in Berlin and you'd go to like a cool 
burger place and they would just like be playing like notorious big and then Mm. they thought they were the coolest place ever and you're like oh my god this is so lame this is so unbearable like can they please find music from like the last like five years that's this part and then they did and it was deutschrap yeah no exactly and then we just shouldn't have let them do it which is then another whole other question so that wraps up the parties um We will, when this releases, I think it'll be about exactly one week until the live show with Woo. these two gentlemen and two more of you guys are joining as well, right? That's the whole right. crew's going to be there. What do you mean by you guys? <laughs> Irish, you can just say we're Irish. No, okay. Uh, yes, uh, we will be doing a live show on the 26th and Yulia and Rob will also be joining. So that's great fun. yeah the Cornish Bay Spassbrems uh, live show in Neukölln at 5.30pm at Donau 115 is the name of the bar conveniently easy to remember also on Donaustrasse 115 mm-hmm. um, so yeah see you there we are posting stuff about this on Twitter we'll put a link in the show notes I think this will be released on both um, podcast feeds so you can find it wherever you do that. Um, wherever you're listening to this podcast, uh, listen to the other podcast of the feed that you're not listening to it on right now. Hi, Michelle and Ted back here with you for some brief closing remarks. As always, the parties are counting on voters having extremely short memories. You can be lucky that we don't, so we can bring you the true grim history of all these parties. If you like this episode, you'll love our live show. It's at 5.30 on September 26th, the upcoming Sunday by the time you hear this. Berliners, please join us at the bar Donau 115 in Neukölln. And there is a live stream for everyone else who can't make it. Our Spassbremse market research team actually tells us that over half of our listeners are outside of Germany. So this live stream is for you. One week from now, this weekend basically. And post-election, we've got some great guests lined up to help us decipher the possible coalitions and what those mean. It actually only gets more confusing from here on out. Uh, We really love politics in this country. But Spaß Bremse will be here to help you break it all down. And after the dust settles on the election a bit, we want to move into some more cultural and social topics in Germany. We're going to look at LGBT rights, uh, the educational system, abortion rights, And also we want to cover some more distant history, like the first German unification, the role of ex-Nazis in post-war West Germany, and the evolution of modern German foreign policy. So yeah, those those should all be really interesting. We're, We're excited to bring those to you in the weeks and months ahead. And as always, thanks a bunch to our producer, Isaac, who does a great job, especially on this, uh, this rather sprawling episode. So we really appreciate that. And also thanks to our friend Tom for letting us use his newsroom space in Berlin to record. That's all from us. That's it. Thanks a lot for joining. Tschüss. Tschüss.